Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here at Lighthouse. Really glad to have everyone here today. Thanks for coming. And also, thank you for joining us online if you're watching us online. So I wanted to just let the church family know that we... This has been a tough week for us. We've had two church family members who have uh, gone to see Jesus this past week. Uh, many of you know that through the emails that we've sent out. Um, so David Edwards and Steve Good both died this past week. And um, we are having a memorial service for Steve Good tomorrow night here at the church at 6 o'clock. You guys are all welcome to join us. And, um, and then as far as uh, David Edwards, his family is going to do... Uh, a memorial service later on. I don't have the, the timeline on that, but it'll be just later on. Uh, but Kathy is doing well, um, and her daughters as well, so um, we need to be praying for friends and family of both of them. So if you guys would, pray with me as I um, pray for their, their families. So God, uh, first of all, Lord, we thank you for the time that we had Steve Good and David Edwards here in our church, Lord, and the blessing that they both were to us, Lord. And I pray, God, that you would be with all of us as we grieve their loss, Lord, but especially be with the close friends and and family members, Lord. Be with Kathy and her three daughters and their grandchildren, Lord. Um, Just pray that you be with that whole situation. And Father, I pray that you would also be with us tomorrow night at the memorial service for Steve, that it would be honoring to him, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to be in the book of James. You can turn there if you would like. We'll be in James chapter 3. So um, we are in a series in the book of James this, this summer. It's called Life Hacks, Practical Advice from the Book of James. And so each week we start out with a life hack. And I've been told that some of my life hacks haven't been very helpful. So today I have two for the price of one for you, just so you get more bang for the buck, right? So here's my first question. Have you ever been accused of doing a fake smile during pictures? How many of you have, like you, you give a fake smile? Yeah, that's kind of been my, my deal. Well, here's a life hack for all of you. It says, when taking a picture, squint your eyes to make your smile look much more genuine. I think it works. So, so do me a favor, turn. I know if you're wearing a mask, it's kind of hard to do this, but turn and look at the person beside you, give them a smile, and then squint your eyes. Does it work? If you're sitting by yourself, just turn around and smile at somebody. There it goes. See? Does it work? Does it still look fake? I'm squinting. Yeah, no, the, no smile, only squint. Well, I, 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 that's why I said I got two for you today, because that one's not very good. So here's the second one. It says, um, use your cell phone light underneath a water bottle to make a lantern that distributes light better than the direct beam. So, you know, we all have cell phones. They all have lights on them now. But when the power goes out, I mean, it's just a flashlight, right? But if you use a water bottle, let's try this out. Go ahead and cut the lights. So that's my flashlight beam. It's really helpful, right? But here, watch this. 
Yeah, that's worth coming for, right? <laughs> Take that, Matt. So, I'm just going to preach like this now. No, let's go. <laughs> you turn the lights back on. So, by the way, make sure you turn your, or your uh, flashlight off on your flashlight before you put it in your pocket. It just becomes very warm if you, if you don't. There's another life hack for you. Okay. So we're going to be in uh, chapter 3. What, what does it say at the top of your section in your Bibles? What does it say? Taming the tongue? Anything else? Mine says taming the tongue, taming your speech. So our uh, message title for today, because this is what this section is about, is called sanctifying our speech. And I'm going to start with verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1. Starts out and says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We'll stop there for a second. Let me just be honest, I don't like that verse because I'm a teacher, right? I don't like that because it says that I will be judged more strictly than those who don't teach. But it's true. It is true. As a lead pastor, I'm the main teacher. And so what I teach impacts a large amount of people. And, and teachers on all churches, it, it impacts them. It makes a difference. And so we who teach will be judged more strictly by God. But not just me, because I have a teaching team. I like to spread the responsibility out a little bit. So Lyndon Bontrager, Matt LaFree, my wife Rose, I'm sorry, babe, but you will be judged more strictly, you know that, based because you teach. Um, but not just our teaching team. I want to kind of spread it out a little bit more. There's more that will be judged more strictly. There's those who are over our young adults. Alan and Karen Hitchman. There are those who are over our student ministries. There are those that are over our children's ministries. If you lead a home group, you will be judged more strictly. Just keep that in mind. And by the way, we have a leadership training class coming up for anybody that would like to join us in all of this. That's coming up on Wednesday, August 19th. So if you'd like to be judged more strictly, this is my worst advertisement for being in leadership ever. But let me tell you, the decisions we make as leaders, as teachers, impacts a lot of people. Recently, Elkhart County came out with the face mask rule. We all know about that. And so as the leader, main teacher of our church, I had to figure out what are we going to do as a church? Are we going to require people to wear face masks or not? That's really the basic question. Are we going to require it for people to come into the church? And so I did a little research. I read the news articles, which by the way, were a little misleading, just so you all know. So I had to go and actually read the face mask rule, see what it said. And then I talked to some pastors in Elkhart County and said, what are you all doing? I talked to some pastors in St. Joe County who have already um, been dealing with a face mask rule. What are they doing? I then looked at the statistics, the hospitalization statistics here in Elkhart. What's the trend? What is the, the new case trend? And I also took time and just prayed about it. So my understanding of the rule is that 
we as a church, as long as we are six feet apart, we don't have to, we don't have to require people to wear a mask. That's my understanding. And so we have set our chairs six feet apart. And uh, we've also then said things like, if you're sick or you've been around someone who's sick, please stay home. Actually got a text this morning from somebody who attends our church who said that a family member has just been tested positive. And so they're going to stay home. And I'm like, thank you (laughs) for doing that until this thing kind of, you know, shuffles out. And also, if, if you're not feeling good, stay home. You know, we've definitely said that. And when we're here, we're trying not to do handshakes, no handshakes, no hugs, uh, take our conversations out into the parking lot. And, and, and I don't think it's raining, so right after service, you guys can go out there and you can talk and it's, it's good. So with those things in mind, we have decided, I decided, uh, talk to our board, and, you know, we, so it's kind of a, a we decision, but I ultimately had to decide that we are not going to require people to wear face masks to come to church. But at the same time, we are very welcoming to anyone that's wearing a face mask. I mean, that's fine. You know, we're not going to discourage it as well. Well, in the middle of that, I had, I had some people who, once I made that decision and sent out the, the email with the video, I had some people that were not happy with me. And they thought, we should be requiring people to wear face masks to come to church. And at the same time, I had some conversations with people who told me that if you required us to wear face masks, we wouldn't come to church. So we had both sides of the issue. So based on what I know right now, what I've heard, based on what I believe God has said to us, um, today I'm not requiring it. All right, we're not requiring it. Now that could change. I'm just going to tell you that. That could change in the future, but today that's where we're at. But I could be wrong. I just want you to know that. I could be wrong, and I will be judged more strictly based on that decision because I'm a leader, because I'm a teacher. Now I would just say, I think that there are those of us who are in leadership positions, positions of influence positions where we teach. And I think we will all be judged more strictly. But as a follower of Jesus, which I'm assuming most of those in this room are, let me just say that you are a teacher. You are a leader. You, are an inf- you influence others because of your life. As you learn about Scripture, as you understand Scripture, and you apply it to your life, you are a walking sermon about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Every one of us. And I would just say, we need to be careful with how we live our lives. We need to be careful with how we teach others through our lifestyle. We need to be careful about where we're going to learn what we learn. Right? Every one of us is a walking sermon to others. We are teaching others, so therefore we need to be careful about where we're learning what we're teaching. I don't know where I'm at in my message at all. Sorry, guys, I'm kind of jumping around. So, several years ago, when I first moved down to Mishawaka, um, I was moving from a small town in Michigan, Centerville, Michigan, 
And uh, I had attended a Mennonite church for most of my life, and then I attended a, a, a kind of a medium-sized small church in um, Sturgis for a few years. But I moved down here, and I started attending a church in the, the big city of Mishawaka. See, for me, Mishawaka, South Bend, was like big city, like big town. And so when I went to this new church, I heard some teachings that were different than what I had been taught in the past. And I just assumed that it's because I'm just hillbilly Clint, you know, and I just didn't know enough about the Bible. And so I'm listening and I'm taking notes and I'm hearing these new ideas, new theologies, and I'm going, wow, man, I've just been so sheltered my whole life. I didn't know this about the Bible. One of those teachings, though, was that Jesus was rich, therefore we should all be rich as well. Not just that was Jesus rich, but that we should all be rich. And so they took some scriptures and, and kind of took them out of context. And they, they tried to pinpoint, this is why we think that Jesus is rich. And this is why we think you should be rich. And I'm like, oh man, I never knew that. I thought that being poor was just part of being a follower of Jesus. And now you're saying this. Well, over time, I did a little research on that. And I realized that there's a lot of scriptures that says that Jesus was not rich. There's a lot of scriptures that say that, that we will have our needs, but that's not necessarily financial success. It's not guaranteed. Now, it's not saying you can't be, but it's not saying that's guaranteed as a follower of Jesus. And then I also began to see the lifestyle of some of those people who were teaching me and realizing they weren't very good representatives of Christ. So I had to kind of unwind some of that teaching. So here's the deal. We need to be careful about where we're going, who we're going to, to even learn about Scripture, who's influencing us. We need to be careful about that. So before we, we take something and add it to our theology, keep this in mind, there's a Scripture in Ecclesiastes that, which says, what has, been done, or what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. So if you're listening to some new ideas on YouTube that are like brand new, like no Christian theologian in 2,000 years has ever found this, this concept out of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, you need to be careful. Because Scripture also says there's nothing new under the sun. Let me just submit, I don't think our issue in the American church is that we don't understand Scripture. I think our issue is we don't apply Scripture. I know that's the issue in my life. I don't really need to learn more until I do what I already know I need to do. And I think that's the problem in the American church. So if you do hear something, and it's like, wow, this is this new teaching. Now keep in mind, many of us have not studied out the Bible, and so we might hear something new that we just haven't seen before, and that's okay. But here's the approach. First of all, take a look at the verse in the context that it was taught, all right? So read the verse. Go find it for yourself. Read the chapter. In fact, just go read the whole book. If it's in James, just go read all of James so you get a better picture of what the author was trying to say. If you have a study Bible, read the study notes, what other people, commentary, what other people have thought about, you know, that same verse. Talk to a spiritual mentor. Say, what do you think about this 
What are your thoughts on it? Pray about it. Pray about it. And if it passes all of those tests, then go ahead and add it to your theology, right? Because there's nothing really new under the sun. So here's, here's my life hack number one, because we're all teachers. When it comes to our biblical theology, it's best to stay biblical, all right? Go to the Word of God. Don't take someone's opinion. Don't take someone's experience. Oh, man, I'm going to get on a tangent here. Okay, I think God's okay with it. Guys, there are people that are having visions and dreams. All right? And they are now adding this to biblical theology. No. All right? The Word of God is finished. It's complete. Visions and dreams should support Scripture. They shouldn't replace it. And we shouldn't be looking for the next prophet out there to tell me what I'm supposed to do. We already know what we're supposed to do. Let's just do it. Man. Sorry, that wasn't in first service. Let's, let's, let's read our Bibles, guys. Let's know our Bibles. Let's not be looking for the next YouTuber to explain something. Oh, man. How the... I'm going to go on. All right. I've heard a lot. All right. So that's, that's point number one. Point number one. When it comes to our biblical theology, it's best to stay biblical. Now I'm going to read uh, verses two through eight. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. I mean, James does not hold back on his opinion of the tongue. I don't think he thinks very highly of our tongue. But you know, if you think about it, isn't it true? Isn't it true? Our words are so powerful. And what we say, man, I don't know about you, I have a hard time controlling what I say. That's like the first thing I think, you know, it comes out there. I love my wife. My wife has so much more control. I mean, I give her a hard time because I'm like, just tell me what you think. But, you know, most of the time she does it. I'm so glad that she does it. You know what I mean? Because it is hard to tame the tongue. You ever have one of those times when you've said something and as the words are floating across the airwaves, you want to reach out and just grab them and pull them back before they hit somebody's ears? At a time like that, 
I've had many times like that. But one time, uh, many, many years ago, I was working at Memorial Hospital, and I was um, in the stairwell. I remember where I was at. I was near the OB unit, and this nurse who worked on the OB unit um, was coming down the, the stairwell while I was going up, and I hadn't seen her in a while, and I noticed uh, that she was wearing what looked like maternity clothes, and she had put on a couple of pounds. Now, she was a nurse working the OB unit, I think, is why she had that style of clothing on. But, you know, I just saw her and I said, hey, when are you due? Just grab that, you know, because I saw her face just fall. She was like, hey, clap. Oh. And then she said, I, I know I've, I've gained weight. I'm trying to lose weight and I'm so, I'm not pregnant. And I'm, I'm like, oh, you look great. You know, I mean, you can't take it back, right? You can't take it back. Verse two says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Man, I am far from perfect. And controlling my tongue, controlling our tongue, it is the hardest thing for us to do. But we can't just rely on the fact that, hey, I'm not perfect, I say some things. Because our tongues are so powerful. Proverbs 18 says, From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled with the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. Verse 21, The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Our tongues have the power of life and death. It reminds me of um, a story about my uncle John. Here's a picture of him. And uh, he was the assistant uh, football coach for Menden High School um, football team up in Michigan. And uh, he had been the assistant coach for several years. This is many years ago. And he came up to my dad because he had been offered the, the head coach position. The head coach had taken a job at another school, and the school board had come to him and said, hey, would you be the head coach? Now, he had been the assistant coach for quite some time, but he was feeling pretty insecure, pretty unsure of himself. So he went to my dad, and he said, which is his older brother, and he says, hey, um, bro, I don't think he said that, you know, but hey, brother. And they said, I've been offered this position. Do you, do you think I can do it? And my dad looked him in the eye and said, you've been training for this. You can do this. I believe in you. You'll be a great head coach. Now, I'm sure my Uncle John asked a few other people as well, but he ended up taking the head coach position from Menden High School. Now, a couple of notes. Since he was the, he's now retired, but since he was, the, while he was the head coach, his Team record was 274 wins and 48 losses, which at the time of his retirement was the highest winning percentage of any high school football coach in the state of Michigan. He also went on during those years to win 10 state championships. He was at the state finals 10 times and he was 10 for 10. Well, in November... Of 2017, 
I went to my dad with a similar kind of question. Because I was the executive pastor for another church here in town or in, uh, in Mishawaka. And uh, I had felt called, Rose and I had felt called to start this church in Elkhart. But see, there's a difference between being the assistant coach and the head coach. So being an executive pastor is like being an assistant coach and being a lead pastor, as you know, would be like being the head coach. And so I was feeling pretty insecure, unsure if I could do it. So I went to my dad and I had this in my journal and I says, Dad, I mean, do you think I can do this? It's a big difference between being an assistant and lead. And he looked at me and he said, you know, this reminds me of a time that your Uncle John came to me with the same question. And I'll tell you the same thing I told him. You can do this, son. I believe in you. You're ready for this. So, as you know, we moved ahead and, and we planted the church here in Elkhart. Now, we haven't won a state championship yet, but there are still years ahead of us, right? That's going to happen. As soon as they have some type of competition for churches, we will, <laughs> we will join that. Can you imagine, this is my dad, the impact that he could have made negatively on both me and my Uncle John? If he had said to my Uncle John, oh man, I don't know, that's a lot of responsibility. Are you sure you're up for that? That might have stopped him from doing it. And look at what he would have lost. And the, the city of Menden would have lost as well, those boys. And the same thing, if my dad had not believed in me, I, I, I hope that I would have still done this, but I don't know. Our words impact people, both positively and negatively. Here's a couple of quotes. The first one is from Mother Teresa. Kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. Here's the next one. Be mindful when it comes to your words. A string of some that don't mean much to you may stick with someone else for a lifetime. Been there? And then this last one. The tongue has no bones, but is strong enough to break a heart. So be careful with your words. Guys, our words matter. What we say to other people matters. We have the power of life and death in our tongues. In our tongues. So here's your second life hack. Our words are best spent bringing life to others. If we have the ability to create life or death, let's choose life. Let's choose life. All right, I'm going to read verses 9 through 12. The last section here. This is a continuation talking about our words. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So James is talking about the dichotomy of praise coming out of our mouth 
and worship coming out. It's like a well, a spring can't gush out pure water and then gush out salt water. It doesn't happen. So how can our mouths say worship, I mean sing songs of worship like we just did this morning? You know, say praise God and then turn around and talk despairingly about other people that are made in God's image. In God's image. Now you may be saying, well, I'm glad I don't do that. I don't ever talk bad about people. This point doesn't apply to me, but let me ask you a question. Let's go back to the earlier discussion about the face mask issue. Okay? Because there are two major extremes on this face mask issue, right? There are those who are like, everybody should wear a face mask all the time. All right? And then you have people on the other side who are saying, well, I don't think anyone should wear a face mask. This is all a hoax. You know, it's of the devil. Nobody should wear a face mask. If you wear one, you're giving in to Satan. All right? I mean, I've, I've heard both of those. And there, there are people on both sides of those continuums. Most of us are somewhere in between. But here's a question. What have you said about those who disagree with your opinion? What have you said? Be honest with yourself. Or maybe a better question is, what have you posted on social media about those who disagree with your opinion? What have you liked? What have you shared? Now, I'll be honest. My, my opinion on the face mask issue has been all over the board. You know, it's been ever-changing. And, and there have been times that I have spoken poorly about people who disagree with me. And James would say, ah, man, Clint, that shouldn't be. That shouldn't be. Can your mouth produce salt water and fresh water? It should just do the fresh water thing. You should just praise God and encourage and say good things about others. Well, let's talk about some of the other issues that are out there. Black lives matter. Blue lives matter. All lives matter. And we have people, I'll just be honest with you guys, we have people in our church that are all over the place on these issues. There are a lot of issues out there today in our culture that are causing division in the church. And let me just be super clear, that should not be. We should be able to have a church family that thinks differently. Right? Now, not on the major issues. Jesus was born of a Virgin Mary. He lived a perfect life. He died a gruesome death as the final payment for my sins and for yours. And he rose again on the third day and he seated with our Heavenly Father up in heaven. That's not disputable, okay? We should all be able to agree on those, but there are going to be other issues that rise up in our culture, that rise up in our church, that we are going to have disagreements on, and that's okay. They're called disputable matters in Scripture. And here's what Paul said in Romans chapter 14 about how we're supposed to handle those. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Just because someone disagrees with us doesn't mean we get to talk bad about them to the people that do agree with us. Can I get an amen on that? 
Let me say that again. Just because there are people who disagree with us does not give us the right to talk bad about them to the people who do agree with us. I need to hear that. I think we all need to hear that. Man, if the world is going to be rioting and fighting and throwing a lot of hate back and forth, it shouldn't be happening in the church. The church should be different. We should be different. Jesus calls us to love God and love people. Our church purpose statement is love God, love people, and shine Jesus. So what I want to do for a moment here is have you guys, if you're willing, even if you're watching online, is to close your eyes. And I want you to think about, just try to think of a couple of people, maybe just one person who has disagreed with you over some of these controversial issues. Just think about them for a moment. All right? Now, as you're thinking about that person, I want you to ask yourself, how am I doing at loving this person? How am I doing at loving these people? And I'm going to remind us all what love is. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, Love is patient. Have I been patient with this person as they have disagreed with me? Love is kind. Have I been kind to this person? It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. How have I acted on these issues that I believe I'm right on? Love does not dishonor others. Have I been dishonoring with my speech or with what I've typed or shared or liked or commented on? It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Have I written some people off because of things that they have said or liked or commented on? Because love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Love never fails. You can open your eyes. Guys, we need, we need to show this kind of love to those people who disagree with us. That's how we reflect Jesus. That's how we love people. And let's be honest, there's a lot of darkness in our world today. There are a lot of people responding with self-righteousness, with anger, with animosity, with all kinds of slander. When we respond with this kind of love, man, we will shine. We will shine. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to shine Jesus. When we show this kind of love, when we're not being given it, that makes us different. That makes us different. And that makes us attractive to the world. And then people will want what we have. So here's a couple of things that you shouldn't do with your mouths. All right, just, just a reminder, I made a short list. You guys might want to add some of your own. But some misuses, misuses of our tongue, say that three times fast. Boasting and bragging. 
We shouldn't be doing that. Gossip and slander. We shouldn't be talking about people who disagree with us. Lying and half-truths. By the way, there are a lot of lies and half-truths getting posted on social media. And when you share those or propensiate them, whatever that word is, if you push them on, you're agreeing with it. Arguing. Let me stay on arguing for a second. When someone disagrees with you, you know that online is not the best way to tell them that you disagree with them. Um, some of these uh, conversations about people that have, on the mask issue, I got some texts or some posts or things like that that were online. And, and my temptation was to write, to type back. And uh, I had a mentor one time who told me, he said, don't do that. Call him. I'm like, man, I don't, what if, I don't want to call him. But let me just tell you, the phone calls went so much better than if I had typed a response. Let's, let's not type response. Let's use the good old-fashioned mouthpiece and earpiece on a phone. I know so many times it's easier to use our thumbs. Let's use our mouth to encourage, to bring peace, Right? And then cursing, you know, in this scripture, it's talking about really slandering other people. But I, I wanted to put it out there and really talk about foul language because we shouldn't speak differently in church than what we do in the, in the workplace or around family members. I just want to encourage you guys. People are listening, going back to, we are influencing others. What we say matters. So let's keep our speech clean. Let's keep our speech clean. All right, and then here are some things that should come out of our mouths. Great ways to use our tongue, prayer and thanksgiving. And when someone disagrees with you, pray for them. Pray for them. Before you respond, pray for them. Singing songs of praise and worship like we did today, I'll, I'll tell you that will affect your heart. If you're in the midst of some type of argument or you're upset about what somebody posted or said, man, just turn on the worship music and sing along. It, it, it puts you in the right frame of mind. Encouraging others like my, my dad did. Man, let's use our tongues to encourage one another. Training and teaching others. If you're not signed up for children's ministry and God's telling you to, <laughs> you should sign up. That's a great way to use our tongue is to train and teach the next generation. And then lastly, is making peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. If we can use our tongues to make peace, man, that's a great use of them. Great use of them. So here's your final life hack. When we speak, when we speak, pure water should come out, not salt water. Pure water. All right, I'm going to ask Rose to come up and close this in prayer. So the scripture that came to my mind was the one that says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. 
And that isn't just through our actions, but it's also through our voice and the things that we say. How are we treating others through the things that we say? Are we being kind? Are we being gracious? Some things to consider. So why don't you stand with me and I'll close in prayer. So God, I thank you that you care about us so much that you want us to be considerate of others. God, I thank you for teaching us this morning that our words matter. God, I thank you for being a great example of kindness and goodness and faithfulness and being gracious and merciful to others, Lord. God, I pray that you would just give us the ability to treat others the way we would want to be treated. And God, I pray that you would give us opportunities this week to do that. Whether it's with our families and friends or with strangers, Lord. God, I pray that we would take advantage of those opportunities and to be kind and gracious and encouraging to those around us. But God, I thank you for loving us through it all. So God, I pray that you would bless each one in this room and those online watching. Lord, that you would bless each one of us. And God, I pray that you would remind us of who you are as we go about our daily lives. Remind us of your presence. Remind us of your interaction because you are an experiential God. You are an interactive God. And so, God, I pray that we would interact with you this week on a daily basis, on a regular basis, minute by minute, hour by hour. Let us not forget who you are. So, God, go with us this week. May we take you with us this week. You are always with us, but God, may we take you with us this week, everywhere we go. We thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for being here this morning. And I also wanted to let you know that if you do want more prayer, just stay in your seat and we will come to you and pray with you if you would like more prayer. All right. Thanks for coming out. Have a good week. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.